T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome in. Brian Barrow with you. We are taking you all the way up until midnight as the Red Sox, of course, win this game of the Cincinnati Reds tonight, 7-1. They are 1-0 when Lou Merloni calls games, so that's a good thing going forward. Lou's back in the booth. Maybe that's some good energy for the Red Sox. But nonetheless, I did want to mention this off the top here, and we'll get to the manager in just a second because he just speaking with the media. One thing I just want to note. Because tonight, obviously, you needed this win. It felt like this is a major relief. You lose this game tonight, this is really bad momentum. And look, I get it, momentum, whatever. But it's really bad going to Oakland after getting swept by the Reds after losing to the Baltimore Orioles. But let's not sugarcoat it. The Red Sox were 3-4 and four on a homestand against the Baltimore Orioles and the Cincinnati Reds. As happy as I am that they won the game tonight, we can't dismiss that. The Red Sox went on a 10-3 and three run when they played... The Rangers, the Astros, the White Sox, and the Seattle Mariners. The only real elite team in that group is, of course, the Houston Astros. But you felt like, okay, they're turning the corner. And then they come home and they go 3-4. and four. So I'm not going to act all pumped up tonight that the Red Sox won 7-1. I'm happy they won. But it's more, from my perspective, a relief. Because if they lose tonight, I mean, that's a complete disaster, right? And we're killing the team tonight. They certainly have their issues Obviously, a good performance tonight, all in all, in terms of getting at Green when he became vulnerable in that game. Whitlock was good, although it was weird as velocity's way down. I'll get into that in greater detail. Hulk was good coming out of the bullpen. So, and Jackie Bradley Jr., the, the huge hit late, and that guy just masters at Fenway. I don't know what the hell's going on with Jackie Bradley Jr. He's hit the crap out of the ball at Fenway Park. So they have problems. Good win tonight. But we'll get into some of the issues in greater detail in just a little bit here. But before we go any further, let's hear from the manager, Alex Cora. Really good, really good. Um, you know, efficient, uh, you know, kept the ball down, kept them up balance. We, we, we played good defense behind him. And uh, the way we were set up, you know, we knew we had Tanner right behind him. So kind of like, that's what we envisioned, right? Uh, using Tanner, that's why we took him out early in the game against uh, Baltimore. So he can be able to pitch today, and uh, he did an amazing job. How strange is it to have a starter not have a strikeout in 2022 or 6 pitch well? Yeah, very. I was looking up, I was like, I haven't seen one, you know, but uh, it was weak contact, you know, uh, kept it on balance. Um, one of the things that we talked with him a few days ago is uh, kind of like pitch to your strength, right? Don't Don't try to adjust before they adjust and uh, I, I think in that start against Seattle we got away from 
from what he does. You know, it was more about the scouting report and what we should do. And, you know, the last two has been like get ahead with the fastball and then we go from there. And, uh, you know, in the fastball in other places. So, you know, good ones, you know, and uh, he'll be ready for Anaheim, uh, for LA, I think. Yeah. <laughs> It's been effective. Uh, I mean, if you if you see some of the teams are doing a, a good job this year, you know, there there's been a lot of contact, less strikeouts. Uh, we have faced some of them. So, uh, then the movement is is playing now. Like I've been telling you guys, you know, it's not more. Uh, the vertical attack, so you know, expanding east-west has been—it's been kind of like the norm, you know. And uh, you, you see some of the guys that are doing an amazing job uh, this season. These guys are going east-west, you know. So his stuff plays that way, and he still can go four-seamer up, which is great. But uh, you know, it's, it's weak contact. You know, guys are have been taught to get under the ball and then to cover the fastball, the four-seamer up, and. Uh, it's, it's different. It feels different this season. So that was that was really solid. Yeah, velocity came down, and, and that he, he's he's good. You know, one on one with a 92 mile per hour slider. You know, the the difference was huge early on, but then the velocity came down, and everything blended, and we were able to to you know fight a, a slider for base hit by JD. Xander cut up with the fastball up. Rafi did the same thing. And then Doogie, I think he got a changeup. And he, he he put a good swing on it. Uh, not not our best offensive night. You know, like we, we had chances to put him away. But then Jackie with a big, big swing there. Um, you know, that that's what we're trying to accomplish, right? We, we, we score more. We took Tanner out of the game. He'll be ready probably in two days. And he'll be available in Oakland. So that's what we're trying to do. But uh, offensively, uh, early on, it didn't look too promising. But... You know, the fact that the velocity came down, we were able to, to attack certain pitches, it was a good one. What does it say about the offense, I guess? I think J.D. is down 0-2, Yeah, it's very important, right? Like early on, um, you know, I wasn't here early for, for the scouting thing, but, uh, you know, it's one-on-one. And, and we can say, oh, just see the fastball, but, you know, you're behind at 100 you're in a big hole, right? And uh, we saw what happened in the first innings, uh, the first time through a lineup. And I think after they saw it, they realized, okay, you know, I, I can do certain things with certain pitches, and, and they battle, and they did an amazing job. All right, so that was the manager, Alex Cora, after the game. If you want to react to anything he said, you certainly can. The number is 617-779-7937. Again, that number is 617-779-7937. So as I stated off the top, still disappointed in the way that the Red Sox played this weekend, I really was feeling optimistic about the way things had sort of turned around. They've been the best offense in the month of May. Quite frankly, they've almost caught up to the Yankees in like every statistical category in terms of their offense in totality, not just in the month of May, in the month of April as well, where they weren't very good. So the Red Sox offense has come alive. We didn't see it. They ran into Wells was really good the other night on Monday night, and Rich Hill wasn't competitive. So that was a major disappointment, that loss, because Hill just sucked in that game. And now Hill 
His last couple of outings have not been good. Last three outings for Rich Hill, the ERA is over nine. He has not been good whatsoever, which is something to monitor next time out for Rich Hill. Because the last two starts ago, it felt like he was trying to throw his slider more. That didn't really work out for him. In fact, gave up that home run on the slider to, who was it, Berger, a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And then last time out against Baltimore, he had nothing. He wasn't competitive in that start. So that was one of your losses. Last night's loss, Castillo was absolutely filthy for them. I mean, there's no way to dismiss what Castillo did in that game. That dude was freaking unbelievable. I mean, his changeup is filthy. So that one was, okay, when you actually got an opportunity to go at Castillo, you blew it, right? Because Castillo sort of lost his command in that sixth inning after the long layoff because of that long top of the sixth inning that, of course, the Reds had, where they reviewed a play and all that. You had the throwing error. But when you have back-to-back walks, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Kike Hernandez, and then your best player, Rafael Devers, comes up, and on a 3-1 count pitch out of the strike zone, he swings at it when it would have been ball four. You pass the baton to Bogarts and J.D. Martinez. You got bases loaded with no outs. Instead, Rafael Devers misses at that one, and then he grounds into a double play. So when you look at it from that perspective, then you're looking at a situation, instead of having bases loaded now no outs, then you get Castillo back into his groove, so to speak. So you had one opportunity to get after Castillo. You couldn't do it. You had another opportunity late, of course, remember, in that ninth inning to get after the Reds there, and you couldn't come through in that particular situation after Devers tried to atone for his throwing error and, of course, that bad at-bat in the sixth inning. What happens in that particular situation? Devers doubles, so you get second and third, no outs. And then you have Xander Bogarts, who pops up weekly on a slider. And then, of course, you have the J.D. Martinez situation where he's got a fastball right down the middle of the plate. He doesn't pull the string, uh, doesn't pull the trigger on the first pitch. And we all know what happens there. He goes down on strikes. Verdugo infield single. You make it a one-run game. And then Story strikes out. So you had opportunities last night in that game to come back and win that thing. And not to mention this. The Red Sox bullpen, even though it wasn't all about the bullpen last night, it was exposed because Diekman sucked. He has sucked all season long. That's just the reality of it. No consistency with that guy. And then you go back to the loss on Friday night. That's all about the bullpen. You have an 8-2 lead and you blow it against the Baltimore Orioles. Come on. I know they've been friskier, but you got to shut it down. And that's a bigger, broader topic with this team is the fact that we have got to start to acknowledge or at least question, can High Bloom actually build a legitimate bullpen? That's something we have to keep in our minds right now. Can Bloom legitimately build a bullpen? I have questions. Yes, Robles hit on him last year. No doubt about it. They got Robles here. That guy was great for this team. Nobody's disputing that. But think about the postseason run. That was all about Alex Cora. Hey, let's put Nick Pavetta in the bullpen. Let's put Tanner Tanner Houck save the season. Remember after Chris Sale in game two sucked against the Rays. Or game, yeah, game two. He sucked against the Rays. In comes Tanner Houck. It wasn't like you had a bunch of unbelievable relievers like the New York Yankees do, right? So it was nothing along those lines. So you look at that game, it exposed one of your weaknesses. And then, of course, the game on Saturday, the Winkowski game, he wasn't sharp. I actually thought his stuff was pretty good. If you watch that game, his stuff was actually pretty good. It just His command was off, and he's not a guy that walks people. So that was sort of the issue with Winkowski. I would love that guy to get another opportunity in the near future because you can tell his stuff plays get kind of that weird delivery where he sort of hides it. So I'd like to see him get another opportunity. But that game was weird. After he gives up the four runs, the Red Sox don't score, and the bullpen actually held it down. So that was a game where, and remember, Bogarts and J.D. Martinez both sat in that game. I didn't care for that thought process. I would have liked at least one of them to play. So if you just look in terms of the totality of the homestand, not good enough to go three and four against these two teams. The Red Sox and the Orioles, 
Yes, they're a little bit more friskier than usual, but they still suck. That's the bottom line. You got to at least take three of five in that series. I was hoping for four of five, but I was penciling in at least one loss because of the travel, right, where they come back from Chicago. They played on Thursday, then they play on Friday night. Like, that Thursday game really should be a day game. I'm not going to get into a whole schedule thing with Major League Baseball. And then they play a doubleheader on Friday. So, if you're going to have all that happening over the weekend, a five-game series for the Red Sox, they should be playing a day game on that Thursday. I get it, it's about money and it's about revenue, but that's a freaking joke from Major League Baseball's perspective. But the other thing I want to mention real quickly off the top here is the Whitlock thing is interesting, and I'm going to be interested to see what Whitlock says. You heard what Alex Cora talked about pitching to contact. Obviously, he didn't strike anybody out. Now, he did give up a bunch of hard-hit balls off the bat 95-plus, but here's the thing. Those are all... Ground balls for the majority tonight. He gave a couple up in the air, but think about it. He got the three double plays in in this game. He got 10 ground balls in general. So I'm wondering this. If you look at Garrett Whitlock, and this is just the working theory I have after watching the game tonight. So Garrett Whitlock, the fastball velocity way down tonight, 93.6 miles per hour. And just to put that into context, on the year, he's at 95.4 miles per hour so that's down what 1.8 miles per hour and that's a large gap it may seem small that's a big gap going from the guy that throws 95.4 to 93.6 and I'm wondering this I'm wondering if this was the adjustment Corey talked about you heard him he talked about the fastball command etc but I'm wondering if this is the case Garrett Whitlock is still getting used to trying to manipulate and maneuver his way through a lineup and maybe what was happening at Garrett Whitlock is the command and we know the walks are up but the command in general wasn't there as a starter like it was as a reliever because he has to go through the lineup a couple of times and he's obviously naturally going to throw way more pitches. And I go back to that Orioles game. Remember, he gives up that home run to Santander, which at that particular point in time made it, what, a 6-2 game, right? Remember where that pitch was. It was down in the zone. That fastball is going to be up in the zone. So I'm wondering if this was sort of a conscious effort by Whitlock and it could just be now he's got a bunch of starts under his belt. He's learning how to go through the lineup a couple of times, learning how to make adjustments, right? And with the other team game planning for him, because you don't really have that as much with a reliever, right? Guys just get the iPad out when that guy's coming out of the bullpen, right? So these guys are game planning up for Garrett Whitlock. So I do truly wonder if part of the calculus is, okay, if I can take a little bit off my fastball, I can go deeper into the game. And it's not like you threw a ton of pitches today, but I can keep that fastball up in the zone and I can pitch to contact more and I can get more ground balls. I'm wondering if that's what happened is he made that sort of adjustment. And look, he's usually pretty open about what he does and what his strategy is. So I'll be interested to see what he says after the game, but definitely a good outing for Whitlock in terms of getting a ton of ground balls. Now, this doesn't change my whole philosophy in terms of where I want Garrett Whitlock. I totally acknowledge that it may be what's in the best interest of the Red Sox long term to be in a situation where you look at this guy and you say, hey, he's going to be in the rotation for 2023 or 2024. Certainly, I could see that being the case. But I come back to this. You have one of the best lineups in the sport. You have Trevor Story, who has got he got another hit tonight after the homestand was not great for him. But we all know how he was red hot. Okay, so he's been a guy that is now getting to a really good level. Bogarts has been good all season long, although not as good in May as he was, of course, in the month of April. You look at Devers, arguably the best hitter in the sport right now. The guy's been tremendous, right? He's fourth in Major League Baseball in fan graphs. War, he's been tremendous. J.D. Martinez came into the night leading Major League Baseball in hitting. So those guys have all been there from an offensive perspective. So the reason I bring that up 
is just the fact that this team should be thinking we need to get into the postseason, especially with all the contractual things you have, those question marks as well. You want to get into the postseason. You want to avoid these type of questions, right? So when I look at all that, I just wonder, is this the best use of Garrett Whitlock? Quite frankly, I say no. I'd rather him pitch multiple days a week. But if he's learning how to be a starter, I feel like this was a step in the positive direction where he was able to manipulate and maneuver his way through the lineup a couple of times, and it did feel like there was a conscious effort there to take a little bit off the fastball and make sure to focus on his command and keep that thing up in the zone. Because when his command is off, he was missing at the bottom of the strike zone with his fastball. That's not where you want it if you're a Garrett Whitlock. That home run to Santander down in the strike zone, and we saw tonight that fastball was elevated a little bit more. He got a ton of ground balls. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. I do have two thoughts on two hitters in the lineup, and I'll get to that in greater – actually three that I want to get to in greater detail. But let's get let's kick it off with Quentin tonight. What's up, Quentin? Hey, what's going on? How are you? What's up, man? Hey, listen, JBJ, he's the straw that stirs the drink for the Red Sox. You got to move him up higher in the lineup. Uh, okay, That's okay, I'm going to stop you there, Quinton. He uh, he's had a great Quinton. run at Fe- he's had a great one- run at Fenway Park. No doubt about it. I completely acknowledge That's that. Right. I love the way he's swinging the bat. He's, he's got act- the speed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's 24 for 78 yep. at Fenway. That's 308. He's been tremendous. But to say that he's the the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, come on, let's not go crazy here. They do have a guy by the name of Rafael hey, Devers. They do have Xander Bogarts. They do have JD. I mean, come on, let's not be hyperbolic here. It's great what he's doing, go but let's calm down. When JBJ gets a, an extra base hit, Red Sox win. Let's move him up higher in the lineup. Let's get that speed on base. And I also want to give a shout-out to Dave Bush tonight, who threw a ball to my son. Oh, First nice. time at Fenway. Awesome night. Let's go Red Sox, and let's go Mets. All right, Quentin. I, I don't get the Mets thing, but all right. He's definitely not the straw that stirs the drink. I've been awfully impressed with Jackie Bradley Jr., and I do really wonder if it's because – the monsters out there where he knows he can hit the ball to the opposite field because he hits the ball to the opposite field way more at home than he does on the road. So it's definitely been a great development that Jackie Bradley Jr. has been a really good offensive player at Fenway Park. I quite frankly did not say that see that coming, but I mean, let's let's calm down with the straw that stirs the drink comment. Come on. They have a lot of good players on this team, okay? <laughs> let's not say Jackie Bradley Jr. That's the difference maker. I mean, come on. Let's not get crazy about this one. Okay, I did want to mention Verdugo real quickly here. So, Verdugo by the numbers this season, and he had the two doubles tonight. Verdugo by the numbers is the unluckiest hitter in Major League Baseball. So, basically, if you look at his actual slugging percentage, it's 335. Coming into tonight, his expected slugging percentage is 521. So, that difference is a negative 186. That's the largest gap in all of Major League Baseball. So I'm not even just saying this is hyperbolic. He legitimately is the unluckiest hitter in Major League Baseball. But one thing that I think he could do better in terms of one thing that I think could help him is he's got to hit the ball in the air more, as we saw tonight with the two doubles. But if you look at it on the season, his ground ball rate is nearing 50%. It's at 49.7%. Now that is 31st in all of Major League Baseball in terms of qualified hitters. And there's 164 of them. And look, this has been something with Verdugo throughout his career. He hits a ton of balls on the ground. And if you look at it, part of it is his launch angle tonight, those two doubles, 16 degrees, 28 degrees, 16 of 10 to 20. That's going to be a line drive, 28, of course, in the air. On the year, he's at 7.4 degrees. That's 144th out of 167 qualifiers. I'm not saying everybody should go insane 
like Kike Hernandez and Trevor Story. Those are massive launch angles, guys. Coming into the week, they were fourth and fifth. I'm not saying that. But I just look at Alex Verdugo and say he makes a lot of loud contact, a lot of hard-hit balls. The problem is he hits way too many into the ground, and he did a much better job tonight elevating the ball. Now, I don't know why Hunter Green threw him that changeup. That thing was a joke. I mean, he had two good pitches going for him as it pertains to his fastball and his slider. I don't know why he felt the need to throw him a changeup. It made no sense to me whatsoever. But nonetheless, good hitters make you pay. Verdugo did that tonight. So I am going to be interested to watch Verdugo in the second half of the season. Because here's the other thing I mentioned real briefly about Verdugo. He's it. That's it. That's all you got for Mookie Betts. Connor Wong is down at the minor league level. Maybe he ends up being a backup catcher or something along those lines, right? Because he's still not up with the big club. Jeter Downs has not had a good career in the minor leagues. He's already been traded from two different organizations, which does sort of worry you. I always get worried about those guys that have been flipped by different organizations. But you get the point. Those are the three guys you got for Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts right now is the best player in baseball by the numbers. The guy has been absolutely insane. And that's all you got. And I'm watching Bruce Dargratterall the other night throw crazy two-seamers. I know he doesn't strike people out, but what's the biggest issue for the Red Sox right now? Relief pitching. And look, that's just a small part of the Mookie Betts trade in terms of the whole medical thing with Gratterall. But my overwhelming point about that is Verdugo's got to be good. Verdugo has got to produce for this team. It's a horrible trade already, but Verdugo has got to give you something. And look, I'm not diminishing the Red Sox needing to trade him. I get it. He wasn't going to sign here. But I'm just saying, you look at the return for Mookie Betts. I mean, jeez. It's not impressive at all. In fact, the opposite. 617-779-7937, the number. Oh, boy. David in Florida. I don't know where the hell you were last night. Rafael Devers made an error. We didn't hear from you. Well, if I was on last night, Brian, I would have. Uh, I, I just would have been too volatile, and uh, you would have probably just gotten too angry with me. So I figured it was best that I... Uh, I mean, what would be the different? Hour, what would be different than any other night? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, first of all, weird thing. Why What's the deal? Why was our Frenchie batting leadoff tonight? I mean, I know that sounds little, but I, what, was, what did you think of that? I thought that was kind of odd. I didn't mind it, David. Okay. I didn't. I actually didn't mind it. I thought, okay, why not give him an opportunity? He doesn't swing at a lot of pitches out of the strike zone by the numbers, unlike Kike. Kike obviously got the night off, but he doesn't swing at pitches out of the strike zone. He's swinging and missing way less than he was the season ago, and he sees a lot of pitches, unlike Kike Hernandez. Kike Hernandez on the season is 165th out of 196 hitters, in, uh, 169 hitters in terms of pitches per plate appearance. So... I don't believe that guy is a true leadoff hitter right now as it pertains to Kike Hernandez. So no, I don't not. mind giving Franchi a chance. They don't have a leadoff hitter. Yeah, that's why I don't, don't mind giving Franchi an opportunity. Who would you have put up there? Trevor or maybe even Bogey for a day. But why? When they moved Story down, that's when he started hitting. I, I don't know. Why Why would you put Bogarts at leadoff, by the way? He's one of the most best run producers basically since 19. Why would you do that? So when he gets on base, then Devers and Martinez. Whoever, that's not the big thing. But the other thing, um, first of all, offense. I just want you know, it, when we talk about offense all the time, we talk about teams and the Red Sox averaging whatever six runs in a game, eight runs a game. But you know, what's, what's more important than average? Because you can score ten runs a game and then only two runs for the next three games and still average. Six what do you want, median? You want median, David? What do you want? Yeah. Yes. Median. Yes. I mean, what percentage of the games do they, do they, have they scored, say, five or more runs? 
man, I'm not, I'm, I'm asking that rhetorically, but that's more, more significant and more credible than average, especially in baseball. So that's, that's what's. Well, so you well, have an issue with, the, so your issue, David, tonight is with the stat community. You think they're doing a bad job with the stats they give you. So you want them to alter that to median runs per game. I'm not just talking tonight. I'm just, again, big picture. I mean, they, they, the last three or four right, David, years, Hey, David, out. get to your Red Sox point. I'm not getting into this. Get to your Red Sox point. That, that, and second of all, okay. And, uh, I mean, they, they had a very poor home stand. They went three and four against two very poor teams. Yes. They, they have to make a trade. I mean, you, you, you like Devers. I, I think he's a great hitter, and so does everybody else. All right, David, I'm not doing this. I, I, nah, I'm not doing this tonight. They need to make a trade. I agree with you. They need to get somebody in the bullpen. I agree with that. Everybody agrees they need help in the freaking bullpen. But the way to get an arm in the bullpen is not to trade away one of the best players in the damn sport. Okay, we're not doing this tonight. We're not talking about trading Rafael Devers, okay? I don't have the patience to talk about trading Rafael Devers tonight. You want to talk about trading for an arm in the bullpen? It is certainly needed. And I put that on Hein Bloom. He should have done it before the season. The reliever market stacked. Guys all over the place in the reliever market. They did squat besides Jake Diekman, who blows. I mean, there's no way around it. The guy's not good. Okay? So, yes, they need help in the bullpen. And they need to make a trade probably at this point unless they're going to bring some of the guys up from the AAA level. That's fine, too. Whatever it is, they need to get new bodies here. Obviously, Matt Barnes on the IL. I don't know. Really helped if he's really hurt, but nonetheless, he's on the IL. Strom is back up at the big club. You saw him. He's back with the team tonight. Okay? So that's a good thing. Strom's been good for this team. But the overwhelming point, that group needs help. So if you want to talk about helping the 2022 Red Sox, that's what they need. They have more than enough offense. The starting rotation has been pretty good, and they're going to get two guys back as it pertains to Sale and Paxson at some point. And Winkowski could be back up. Bayo could be up at some point this season, maybe at the end of the year. Walters just got promoted to AAA. So they actually have depth in the organization from a pitching perspective for once. So either figure something out with those guys down there in terms of helping this team, in terms of just the general pitching aspect of the team. That means pushing some guys to the bullpen, whatever, or making a trade. But, I mean, come on, let's be real about this. You're not trading one of the best players in Major League Baseball. I just went through how the Mookie Betts trade hurt the Red Sox because they didn't get a good return. You're not trading Rafael Devers. Stop. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you all the way up until midnight. Okay. So if you want to weigh in on tonight's win, certainly can. What does this team need to do to get back into legitimate contention? What are your biggest concerns with this team right now? 617-779-7937, the number. Oh, and I do want to get to two other good signs with the lineup. I'll get to that next year on EI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett with you, taking you up all the way up until midnight after the Red Sox beat the Cincinnati Reds tonight, 7-1. Obviously, a much-needed one. You could not go to Oakland after dropping two in a row, getting swept by the Cincinnati Reds at home, and losing the final game of that series against the Baltimore Orioles, where you lost that series in terms of you only won two out of the five games in that particular series. So definitely a relief, a much-needed win for the Red Sox. But there are concerns with this team. What concerns you most? 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Wally. He's in Fall River tonight. Wally! What's up, Brian? Thanks for taking my call. But sure. uh, we all know right now, uh, High and Blue must be thinking, I, I really screwed up. You know, you had to, all these guys available, and now you scrounge around. He got a lot of bodies. That's about it. Uh, he definitely doesn't think he's, you know, he's in Boston now. He's not in Tampa Bay, or he's not <laughs> the GM of Oakland, where they got a, what, a, a $20 million payroll. But, he, you know, he really messed up on this one. Now you got to go scrounging around for relief help. But uh, it's just curious with Castillo. I wonder what the, you know, uh, this guy's got a little swagger. He's got a little Pedro in him. Uh, you wonder what it would take for the Red Sox to squeeze him out of Cincinnati. Uh Maybe a player to be played later, uh, uh, named later, or you know, maybe something could be wake up. But I like to see this guy in the Red Sox uniform and throw him in the bullpen. I mean, uh, you can't depend. Salem Paxton, he gave Paxton ten million dollars. Uh, you still don't know really where you're going to get. He's been had the same with Sale. I mean, these guys can't be thrown in the bullpen. But it'd be interesting to see what Heim Bloom does now. You still have eight weeks left yeah. before the deadline. Yeah, uh, it's a fair point, Wally, in terms of what Heim Bloom's actually going to do. And I appreciate the phone call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. To the point about Castillo, remember, that was a guy that was kind of rumored in the offseason to be traded, just like all the A's guys. Manaya got traded, right? Bassett got traded. Montas never actually got moved. But I just look at it in terms of through the lens of High and Bloom. And I'm not telling you this is what I would do. I'm saying what I believe his philosophy is. I don't see High and Bloom giving up prospects for pitchers. I, I don't see it in terms of giving up expensive prospects, if you will, good prospects. I don't see him doing it. I really don't, which it brings you back and it circles you back into the offseason is why didn't you add to the bullpen? When there was a surplus of relievers that were on the market, why didn't you add to the bullpen then? So if the philosophy is, hey, we don't want to trade up good prospects or we don't want to trade away good prospects, like, for example, it's not the Dave Dombrowski philosophy where Dave Dombrowski, and look, it's not like, 
Kopik's coming along now, but Mankata's not a great player. It's not like you gave up a ton in that deal to bring in Chris Hill. Now, in terms of where they were at at the time, yeah, I mean, it didn't burn you long term, right? I mean, yeah, Kopik's pretty good, but he's finally coming into his own. It took him a while to get to that level. Mankata's not a great player. But the point being is you wanted to get Chris Hill because you wanted to contend, and he certainly helped you do that. But the point about Bloom is I don't ever see him making a big swing, and I'm not putting... Montas or Castillo on that level, Chris Sale, who's an absolute ace at the time, right? One of the best pitchers in the sport. I'm not comparing it to that. I'm just saying I don't see Heimblut wanted to trade like 10 through 20 in his organization. I just don't see it. So this is what is sort of aggravating to me and sort of perplexing and frustrating to me all at the same time. Well, when guys were available in the offseason in the bullpen, why didn't you add, right? It just feels like at least this is how I kind of sort it out. It feels like with Heim Bloom, the bullpen approach is, and really the approach in general, is borderline Belichickian, where there is in, it's sort of arrogant, the approach he has, right? Where it's like, okay, and it's worked with Belichick on multiple occasions. He said, all right, Kyle Van Noy's playing for the Lions. He's a second round pick. They're misusing him. I get him here. I'll make him work. Well, that's sort of like how Heim Bloom approaches his bullpen. Hey, well, he's got a slider. Deekman's got a slider. He's coming off his worst year as it pertains to ground ball rate. We'll fix him here. And you kind of ignore, well, he walks a million batters. He did it last year and this year. His walk rate is just south of 16%. He's one of the worst guys in terms of the bullpen arms in the entire sport in walking guys. So they just looked at it as, okay, he's got one pitch, a slider, we'll make it work. Now, it works sometimes. It works with a guy like, Hansel Robles, he came over here last year. They changed his pitch mix, if you will. He started throwing way more sliders when he came to the Red Sox, threw way less of his change-ups, and he was really good. I'm not diminishing that, but it's not always going to work, and that's why what aggravates me the most is why can't you sometimes just pay for good players? That's my philosophy. Pay for good bullpen arms. They were available. You don't have to give up anything. Pay them. Pay those guys. It doesn't make sense to me. There were guys available. You didn't pay for them. So to Wally's point, like, I understand his idea about trading for a guy like Castillo at this point in time, adding another starter to the rotation and a guy with good stuff. I understand it. I just don't see Bloom doing it, which brings us back to, hey, are they going to bump up some of these arms at the minor league level? Because right now there's not enough Guys where Cora can go to in his bullpen and feel comfortable about three outs. Okay, yeah, Strom's throwing the ball pretty well this season. Schreiber's throwing the ball pretty well this season. But that's pretty much it in terms of the totality. And Davis. David, I, I don't want to forget Davis. He's been good this season as well. But none of those guys are like upper echelon relievers in the league that have been doing it for five to six years. They don't have any of those type of guys. 617-779-7937, the number. The reality is you bet on Barnes bouncing back. Nope, that hasn't worked. You bounce, You bet on a good year from Brazier. He sucked. You bet on a good year from Sawamura. He sucked. He really hasn't been the same since he went in the IL last year. He was good in the first half, sucked in the second half of the season. So all three of those guys have been bad. And the big move you made in the offseason, two years, eight mil for Diekman, he's horrible. So those are four guys you were expecting things for, from. None of them have you got anything out of any of those guys. Let's get to Steve in Framingham. What's up, Steve? Hey, uh, you know, I was going to say, like, playing first base isn't that hard, Brian. Anyway, um, I think that that uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jared Duran Duran. 
And I think he has got some really good stats down in Worcester, and they should think about bringing him up and giving him some time in right field. I know that that JBJ is like the straw that stirs the drink, but <laughs> they should bring him up and and give give uh, give him a chance. Well, this maybe, is, maybe Steve. They put JBJ let me interject, in Steve. Field. Let me interject for a second. This is what I'd say with Duran. If they're not going to bring him up, then they should trade him at the deadline. Because he's 25 years old, I just don't understand what his role is with the organization long term. If he isn't going to get another shot, okay, well then you got to trade him, right? I mean, and maybe that's maybe they're going to spin Duran. Maybe they feel like that's a guy they can get rid of and they'll get a reliever for him. Maybe that's Hein Bloom's grand plan as it pertains to Jaron Duran. But they got to do one thing or the other: either bring him up to the big club or trade him, because it's useless to have him in AAA at the age of 25. Yeah, and I would say too, like you, you, everybody likes to talk about the infamous uh, Jeff Bagwell trade, right? But it's like I'm thinking if you trade somebody like Duran and you get a reliever, what if Duran turns out to be a great player, right? Or at least a really good player. So I think if you don't bring him up and give him a chance, you're never going to know, and and I think you're going to not get what you you could if you don't give. Him yeah, a Steve, the one thing I'll say is, and I understand your point and I appreciate the call is I think they have a pretty good idea of what Jaron Duran is, right? When he tried to go into the launch angle last year and tried to hit for more power. Yeah, it worked at triple A. It didn't work at the major league level. I give him credit. He went down there. He changed his approach. His numbers are much better at the triple A level this year, but I'm pretty sure they have a much better idea of who Jaron Duran is the player. And it's not like you're trading away a guy that's 18 or 19. He's 25 years old. So I'm pretty sure they have a pretty good idea of who Jaron Duran is as a player long term. I just don't understand the point of what he is right now in terms of in the organization. He's a 25-year-old guy that's older than Rafael Devers playing in AAA. So he's wasting there if you don't trade him or give him another shot with the big club. I just feel like he's in purgatory right now, and to me that just makes no sense. And look, I'll change my take on that if at the deadline they move him for a lever. Fine, I'll be okay with that, but... We haven't seen that to this point. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Okay, so if you do want to win in the Celtics, that's on the table as well. How are you feeling about this team entering a seven-game series with the Golden State Warriors? I believe the Celtics will win this series. I'll tell you why in just a little bit here on WEI. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.